If you have a financial question for Pega Bruce, you can call this number 247-888-6ADVICE. You can also email your questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But during the show now, you can call or text our studio line at 651-461-9226. Once again, here's Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Good morning, Bruce and Denny. Morning. Hello, Peg. Hello, Peg, and thank you, Denny Long, for the introduction. Good to be with you. Um, Denny and Peg, today's topic, you know, Peg, sometimes, you know, we try to do topics on the show that are informative for the, you know, the vast majority of our listeners, but sometimes we have important topics that just might not be applicable to everybody, but there's still things that we want to talk about. I think today our topic literally affects everybody listening, literally affects everybody uh, in the population because we're talking about uh, probably the most significant change to the laws uh, around retirement planning and retirement plans that we've had in several decades. Uh, And and, uh, I I, I think this just has absolutely universal application to everyone. Okay. Yeah. You know, a couple of years ago, Bruce, um, we had a secure act number one in 2019 And that was just a a huge issue in that um, mostly talked about was the required minimum distribution at 70 and a half. 70 and a half has confused all of our clients for decades, but they changed the, the, it it was just so confusing that 70 and a half. Why why is it a half? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yes. So the great news is, back in um, 2019, they actually changed the age for required minimum distribution to 72. And so, um, and lots of different provisions in that SECURE Act from 2019. Probably the second biggest impact was beneficiaries' rights after they get an IRA that um, maybe your parents had established and you now were a beneficiary, you used to be able to, Bruce, stretch those withdrawals over your lifetime. And so um, they decided, mm, we need a little bit more tax money. So let's have those beneficiaries be mandated to take all that deferred money out within 10 years of time. So those were the two really biggies. Now we get to Secure Act 2.0, and I would say there's a lot more provisions in here than there was in the 2019. So we've got a job to do, Bruce, because I think what we've done is we've kind of picked out the ones that would be the most interest to the audience today. But then I'll mention it now already that on Wealth Enhancement Group's website, I constantly am talking about this because it's a great resource. You can go under Insights, and you can hit Blog, and if you scroll down just a little bit, you're actually going to see Brian Vanak, um, who is an often guest guest speaker on this show, he did a, a blog of all the highlights of that Secure Act. And so if you want a reference point after Bruce and I talk about some today and you want even more detail about some of the provisions in that act, that's a great place to go. Bruce? 
Yeah, a couple quick things. That Thank you, Peg, and it's probably worth repeating that before we're done today. Um, it strikes me how, how government is often a lot like our uh, financial services industry, and they come up with acronyms for everything. So SECURE actually is an acronym for Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement Act. And so, I, but I like the name. I like, uh, I like SECURE, and I like a lot of the things that it's doing, I think it's going to benefit listeners and again the public, and we'll hit on some of those things uh, uh, shortly. But uh, I, I just I find that amusing how our industry is always full of acronyms, and, and so too is the government. And and the other thing is, you know, some some I, I had a lot of questions on this before we got to doing this show today, and part of the reason we waited is we wanted to make sure we had clarity and understood because this thing passed right at the end of last year. So it's only a month ago. And as is always the case, there's a lot of confusion and a lot of lack of clarity in some of the detail. I think the act itself is something like 350 pages long. So to get in there and decipher it and be able to pick out the highlights that we wanted to talk about did take a little time, but we're doing it today. And like you said, after today, you can always go to wealthenhancement.com and uh, and dig for uh, more details. Ben? I love how they call this strengthen the retirement system. I mean, <laughs> the, um, the the government is now kind of using words that, oh, I'm interested in strengthening something. But today you're actually going to hear a lot of words like requires or mandatory or a word called optional or the other word I saw a lot was eliminate. So mandatory, optional, eliminate. So as we talk about this, I'll kind of emphasize which word is emphasized in in this change. Well, the one that um, is probably the most popular is that the required minimum distribution age is increasing again. So very quickly, we went from 70 and a half to 72, and now we're immediately for this year, going to 73. So this gives you an extra year to compound earnings in your qualified plan. Well, at, at 73 years old, um, once you hit 73, then you have to take your required minimum distributions. But there is a provision here that um, all the way out to 2033, they've already said that the required minimum distribution age will rise to 75. Well, who who is going to be that lucky, right? Well, it's if you were born in 1960 or after. So I found that, Bruce, to be an easy way to explain to my clients, you know, because they know their birthday. Now, there is different milestones in between, between, be, uh, between 73 and 75. What I think is crazy is it's 10 years out, right? So a lot of things, the provisions in this plan I find it very confusing of when the new law starts <clears throat> and then what the detailed provisions of it are. So not any different, Bruce, than, than our job that we do day to day. We have so many rules, so many changes, and hence why we have a roundtable. And so our roundtable actually helped us today say this is what your listeners will probably um, want to hear the most about. The other one, and not so much talked about, is this missed required minimum distribution penalty. 
So it, it is kind of easy to scare clients in saying, if you don't take out your required minimum when you're supposed to, the IRS has the um, ability to tax you 50% on what you missed. So let's just say you're supposed to take out $10,000 and you missed it. They can actually tax you $5,000 for that mistake. So they graciously now are going down to 25%. So it's still a huge impact. Now, I've had clients that just missed it. Um, you know, they actually told me that they were going to take their required minimum distribution from an account that's not with me. And I believed them. I do their review the next year. They never did it. So that's a problem, right? So they have to um, go pull that money out and then pay the 50% penalty. But what I can tell you is um, you can actually write a letter and say, I really goofed up. You know, I wasn't feeling well. <laughs> you can you can put excuses on there. And I haven't witnessed anybody paying that 50% because a lot of times it isn't that you were trying to get out of doing it. You just forgot. Um and then the last one here when it comes to required minimum distributions, and this doesn't start until 2024, um, Roth IRAs don't have required minimum distributions. And what I mean by that is when you decide to contribute to a Roth, uh, when you turn 73 now, you are not going to have to take your required minimum distributions out of your Roth IRAs. And never you, you never had to. Well, Roth 401ks that you contribute through your work had a required minimum distribution. So, Bruce, what they did in this particular SECURE Act is they made them the same. So you don't have to take required minimum distributions um, off your Roth 401ks. And I like that. I like that they uh, that they made them equal on both sides. Bruce? Yeah, um, a couple of things. The, the last one is really good. And, and, and my only comment is, I don't know why they did that in the first place. Again, it's like sometimes they go out of their way to make things unnecessarily confusing. So that's a, that's a nice fix. That's a nice change. And, and I also wanted to mention really quickly, not to be oversimplistic, because I know the vast majority of people listening right now are familiar with required minimum distributions, or sometimes, again, we use RMD to shorten up the, the, the language. But there might be a couple people out there going, what is this required minimum distribution? What are you talking about? So tax-qualified plans, tax-deferred plans, like traditional IRAs, traditional 401ks, that give you a deduction for the contribution and allow you to defer the taxes on all the gains until you actually take a withdrawal they do have a limit where they say we're not the government comes in and says we don't want to wait anymore for you to take withdrawals. We want to start to tax that money. And that's what we're talking about. It's moving from age 72 to 73. A 73 year old might say, I don't need that money for lifestyle. I don't want to take it. But the government says, too bad. So sad. We give you a tax break when you put it in there and we haven't collected any taxes along the way. We want to start collecting those taxes. And the other point I want to make, Peg, you, you did mention that you have clients that have uh, IRAs with uh, other accounts, not with wealth enhancement. I do, too. A lot of my clients have money in more than one place. 
And that never bothers me, and that's fine. And I tell every client, whatever you're comfortable with. But when you have money in more than one place like that, it can lead to the problem that you described. Who's looking over their shoulder to make sure they're doing the things they need to do? In this case, required minimum distribution. I tell all my clients, look, if all of your IRAs are with wealth enhancement, we will take the responsibility of telling you what what your RMD is, when we should take it, and which account we should take it from, and you don't have to worry about it. But if you've got multiple IRAs, multiple places, we can't be expected to give you that number. That's Now you're going to have to have more personal responsibility. So there, there are some advantages in consolidating and working only with one advisor. And, and uh, so I'm glad you brought that up, that you had some clients inadvertently miss it because they had an account somewhere other than with you. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to continue with this, um, these words, mandatory, optional, and eliminate. So all I've said so far is they're going, to, they're going to eliminate the 401k required minimum distributions, you know, for people that are 73 or more. Here's some interesting facts about the SECURE. Um, expansion access to Roth accounts. So employers have been for quite some time offering us a choice. So when I go fill in my employer, um, um, you know, employment choices in November, I get to decide, do I want to put my deferral in, you know, deferring taxes? Or do I want to put my contributions in a Roth 401k? And then I would pay the, the tax right away. Starting in 2023, employers have the option to allow employees to choose Roth contributions instead of traditional pre-tax contributions on the company match. So most of us here who are gainfully employed get a match from our corporation. And we did not have that choice. Do I want to put it in deferral or do I want to put it into a Roth deferral, you know, and pay the tax? So it's an excellent opportunity for people that want a little bit more flexibility and tax savings in their retirement contribution to now. Now, so I have a lot of clients that um, are big proponents of Roth. They're just like, I want to pay now. I want to compound that money, you know, tax free for a long time. And so, um, you know, matching have we never had that option before. Here's the bugaboo about this. The corporations are like, seriously, now I've got to change all my systems and payroll because, did you hear me, starting in 2023. So um, be patient with your uh, corporations that you work for because it's not going to just happen overnight. They're going to have to change their systems. Here's an interesting one, Bruce, Roth catch-up contributions. So if you haven't already started making catch-ups to your employer plan, and catch-ups are you're 50 and older, and this is new now, and guess what? I'm going to use the word mandatory here because since 2006, we had an option but not mandatory to put our catch-ups in, um, you know, a, a Roth. So now this SECURE Act is saying if you're a high wage earner, by the way, that's somebody who's $145,000 or more, 
are required or they're mandatory to make their ketchups into the Roth plan. So technically, they're forcing us to pay our tax first, and we don't have that option to defer. So, Bruce, I think there's going to be more um, coming out about this because, number one, it's another nightmare for the administrators. And then there's kind of these talks already out there about fairness. You know, is this something that they can mandate? Bruce? Um, it, it occurs to me, I'm glad you went down the road of corporate plans, because, Peg, I think a week or two weeks ago, when you weren't here, I actually had a question about RMDs on 401k plans, and I couldn't remember then, and I, and I think I vowed I would look it up, and I forgot to do that, too. I still, even as I sit here, I can't remember how that's different than an IRA. I, I know if you're, you know, in your mid-70s, you, you still have to take required minimum distributions if you have a traditional IRA. But if you're in your mid-70s and you're still working, I think you don't have to take it from a 401k. Is that is that right? Yeah. Um, I, yes. I see that the, um, the roundtable had, had noticed that the question wasn't answered a couple weeks ago. So here's the answer from the roundtable. It says, it depends. You may qualify for an exception for taking RMDs from your current employer-sponsored retirement account, such as a 401k, 403b, simple, solo 401k. Um, and so the answer is as many things as it depends because it depends if you're still working. If you do not own more than 5% of the business you work for, you have an employer-sponsored sp retirement account with the business you work for, not one from a former employee employer, in which case you need to take your RMD. So here's the deal. If you continue to work past 72, now it's 73, you have to take required minimum distributions for sure from a traditional IRA. So the way I know it, Bruce, is, is that if you were gainfully employed and you had this 401k at work, that you did not have to take out withdrawals from there. And that was a, a reason that we didn't suggest to these employees who were working and were in over 70 and a half at that time we were talking to them. They, um, they can continue to shelter that. If they would have done an in-service withdrawal and put it into an IRA with Wealth Enhancement Group, then it automatically becomes part of your required minimum distribution. Bruce? Um, thank you for clarifying that. So it is complicated, and I wasn't completely stupid not to be able to remember all that when I got the question live a couple of weeks ago, I guess. Um, Peg, yeah. We've got less, uh, less than two minutes to go before we have to take our first break. What else do you want to get in uh, here in the first half of the show about Secure Act 2.0? Well, I want to just finish. There's one more point under expanding access to Roth accounts. And this one's interesting. 529 plans to Roth IRA rollovers. So one common complaint about 529s is what to do if you have unused money in a 529. Well, starting in 2024, 529 plan funds can be rolled into a Roth IRA in the name of the 529 plan beneficiary. Woohoo! That's exciting except 
The 529 must have been open at least 15 years ago. Any contributions made in the last five preceding years, the rollover is not eligible. And lastly, the rollover amounts are subject to an annual Roth contribution limit and have a lifetime cap of 35000 per beneficiary. So I know there's 529s, Bruce, out there that are much larger than this. So as they started to put the cap and the years and the times and all of that, it's going to lessen the people that are going to be eligible to do that. Bruce? So far, all the things that we've talked about seem to be good for the public, good for consumers, maybe a challenge to corporate administration. But, but so far, this sounds like really good stuff for most of us. Uh, Denny, I know we're coming up uh, against the clock here. We'll take a break and we'll finish our discussion on Secure Act 2.0, the second half of the show. And we'll probably get listeners involved as well. Very good. And here's uh, one way to do that. Actually, a couple of ways. You can call or text our studio line right now, in fact, during the show, 651-461-9226. Again, you can either call or you can text our studio line, 651 461 9226. You can always send uh, your emails too to your money at wealthenhancement.com. After the break, we'll be right back with more of your money. If you have a financial question for Peg or Bruce, you can call this number 247-8886 Advice. You can also email those questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But right now during the show, you can call or text our studio line, 651-461-9226. You can call or text right now. 651-461-9226. Once again, here's Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Thank you, Danny Long. Thank you, listeners. Uh, if you've been with us, thanks for staying with us. If you're just joining us, Peg and I have been talking about the SECURE Act 2.0 uh, just passed late last year. And we've been talking about, uh, and this is really one of those things, Peg, we said this at the beginning of the show, this affects everybody listening. This affects all Americans. Uh, it just it's, it's so far reaching. And, and so far, um, I got to say, a lot of times when, when government makes changes or passes new rules, new legislation, new laws, it's not always, or not all of it is always consumer friendly. This seems pretty consumer friendly so far. Uh, what else do we need to share with people uh, the second half of the show here about secure the Secure Act 2.0? Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the catch-up contributions uh, that are indexed for inflation. Many of the listeners know, because we mentioned it a couple times, that back in November, they increased, they being the government, the IRS, said, oh, how much can you put into your 401k? Well, in 2022, the max that we could put in was 20500 And then if you were 50 or older, you got to put in an additional 6500 Well, in 2023, it jumped to 22500 and 7500 if you're over 50. That actually was the largest increase uh, that there had ever been percentage-wise. So piggybacking on that, uh, you can see here that they're actually really trying to get people to be incented to save more. So the catch-up contributions in 2024 starting, the catch-up of $7,500, they are going to start annually um, increasing it by $100 increments. So that'll be good. This means that if you're over 
you know, 50 years old, you can take advantage of that increase um, that they're allowing us to do. This one's kind of interesting. Catch-up contribution limit increase for individual individuals age 60 to 63. So the secure point two, 2.0 wants us really to help save for the people who feel like maybe they were behind. I mean, we all remember, right? We didn't have money in our 20s to say, oh, I'm going to fully contrib- make my contributions or your 30s and you're raising a family, et cetera. So they want to give these folks, um, starting in 2025, not immediately, to be able to contribute more. And, and more means you know, $10,000 or 50% more than the regular catch-up amount in effect in 2024. So there's ways then for that age group to be able to catch up. Here's So those are optional. Here's actually a mandatory enrollment provision. It makes automatic enrollment to the 401k and 403b plans mandatory. They've never done this before, but for all new plans starting in 2025. So if you have an existing plan out there, uh, and you're you're going to be exempt from this rule. So they're not going to make all businesses, um, you know, have to comply with this. But if you if you all these new companies or companies that are are establishing themselves, they are going to be mandated. So they're using this, Bruce, as a basis for a start. Bruce. Yeah, and I really like it, Peg. I know any, anytime you say mandatory, and the government's going to mandate or or make you do something. It sounds bad, but you can opt out as an individual. And all they're doing is kind of flipping right now, based on the law, if you want to participate in your corporate retirement plan, you have to take action to opt in, to participate. They're just saying, uh, under, this, under this provision, you're automatically in unless you tell your employer you don't want to be in. And I think that's good because I think a lot of people end up not participating not because they don't want to, but either because they procrastinate or they're lazy or they um, don't fully understand it. And, and so I really think this is a good change, even though instinctively I don't like so I don't like someone, especially the government, telling me I must do something. You can opt out, um, but but the but the default is opt in instead of opt out, and I, and I actually like it. Yeah, there's a couple more here. Student loan payments. Well, the student loan um, loans have been in the media quite often, but they, they want to count them as elective deferrals for employer match calculation. So under this SECURE Act and starting in 2024, employers can count student loan payments as eligible contributions for matching retirement contributions. That's interesting. Another kind of um, administrative nightmare, I think. Benefits, the, who, those who will benefit uh, from this are actively repaying student loans and would like the option of making additional payments without sacrificing potential employer matches. Now, that's a first. Usually it was just dollar for dollar that, you know, you put in. Um, here's another one. More flexibility with solo 401k. So if you're a solo provider, Starting in 2023, which is now, self-employed folks have more flexibility to set up and put money into a, um, a solo 401k. There's been, you know, um, it's cumbersome. If you're a, a one-person shop, you know, there's just so much red tape about getting these things set up 
that um, they're going to make it easier. And then lastly, retirement plan linked emergency savings accounts. What is that? Well, they're going to link to your existing employer plan, um, only available to non-highly compensated employees defined as individuals who own less than 5% of the business and whose compensation does not exceed 135000 So this new benefit will actually have the ability to save up to 2500 each year with anything an employer with anything an employer contributes being treated as a Roth contribution. Employers can set a lower maximum amount. So it's almost, Bruce, like, hey, we'll help you save, like as if you can't do it through your own bank or that kind of thing. They're adding that. So once again, Bruce, um, you know, lots of things are mandatory, not as many that are optional. And um, there's also some things that are eliminated. But you're right. This was 350 pages. There's a lot to it. And I want to remind listeners again, because I think Brian Vanak did a great job in his blog. And it's wealthenhancement.com. Go to insights at the top. Hit the word blog, and the article is actually called New Retirement Strategies Unpacking the Secure Act 2.0. Bruce? Yeah, and the last one that you mentioned, Peg, the, the being able to actually create your emergency savings plan, your rainy day fund with, with the help of your employer, I think is just brilliant. I think it's awesome. You know, this entire act, there's a mountain of statistical data out there that Americans don't save enough, uh, invest enough for their retirement. Um, the, the, the number of people that don't have a rainy day fund and if something goes wrong in their life and they have a $1,000 repair engine bill or home repair bill, they don't have the money, they have to stick it on a credit card and now they're paying interest to get you know daily things that they need to survive paid for. They, they don't have an emergency savings fund. They don't have a rainy day fund. This is helping them um, be able to create that. And I, I just think almost everything in this is really good for the consuming public. I am not afraid to criticize government when I think they're stupid. If I'm going to be fair, I should also praise them when I think they do something good and something smart. I, I really like almost everything in here as I understand it. Any last thoughts, Peg, uh, that you want to share with listeners before we let them uh, drive the show the rest of the way? Well, as I thought about that emergency savings account, you know how I'm a big proponent of hide money from yourself? That's actually what they're doing, right? It's just money coming out of your paycheck. You're never going to hit your checking account. And yes, so that would be a good thing. I think um, I I was a little disappointed in how all these things are implemented over so many different years and keeping track of it all. So it does keep us gainfully employed, Bruce, because our clients and many listeners out there who listen to us, um, we're, we're here to help and try to make sense of it. So today we really just talked about some of the top ones that our clients are wanting to know about um, immediately. So, Bruce? Not just financial advisors, but CPAs aren't going away anytime soon either. We're going to need CPAs. Um, Danny, let's let listeners uh, have their say. Very good. They're already doing so. And if you have any kind of a financial question, you can call right now. Call or text our studio line, 651-461-9226. Again, 651-461-9226 for either a call 
or a text question. Uh, speaking of text, here's uh, the first one. If I inherit an IRA, can I take it all out immediately with a stepped-up basis instead of taking the minimum required distribution for 10 years? Um, Peg, I think the, the, the texter here is confusing a, a couple of different uh, concepts. Uh, when they, when they mention stepped-up basis with regard to an IRA, there is no such concept. Step-up step in basis is something that would apply, could apply to a non-IRA or non-qualified account. And what that means is, is let's say I, I bought a stock for a price of a dollar a share, and I held that stock for years and years and years. I never sold it. Now it's trading at $100 a share. I pass away and I leave that stock to my kids, and my kids sell the stock at $100 a share. They wouldn't pay any taxes at all, any, any ordinary income taxes, any long-term capital gains taxes, because their basis steps up from the dollar, that's my basis that I paid, their basis is $100 or the value of the stock when they inherit that. And that concept never applies to an IRA. So I'm not sure where the texture's going here. Denny, can you read that one more time, please? Sure. Uh, if, if I inherit an IRA... Can I take it all out immediately with a stepped-up basis instead of taking the minimum required distribution for 10 years? Peg, you want to add something? Yeah. So what I think the, the question, or it's almost like a comment, is would it be best for me just to cash it all in and then the contributions to the person who left that to you would somehow be tax-free? Uh, meaning if the IRA is $100,000 and the decedent put in 50000 that would make you think that you would only have to pay 50000 But no one has ever provided that this was a, a pre-tax IRA, meaning not a Roth. If it was a pre-tax IRA, no one, and I mean no one, has paid any tax on that. So when you inherit that, most people don't necessarily cash that all in at once because it may raise your tax bracket. You could take it out over a year, two years, three years, you know, work with a CPA or your financial advisor, what m- makes the most sense, or you have to have it out um, by year 10. Now, let's just talk about what if it's a Roth IRA? If it's a Roth IRA, you could cash all of it out. And it would not be taxed. You have 10 years to take that money out. Most people, because it grows tax-free, you know, uh, don't necessarily take it out. Or some clients of mine use it as part of their income, which is then tax-free, over the 10 years of time. Uh, Bruce? Yeah, I'll just add really quickly, just a point of clarification. On the traditional IRA, you mentioned, Peg, you probably don't want to take the lump sum because it will throw you into a higher tax bracket. So where that really can be painful is a lot of, you know, some of the tax brackets, the the increase is, is small. Like there's a 10% and a 12%. There's a 22 and a 24 But then there's times where that gap is wide. There's a 12% bracket, and the next bracket is 22 well, if you end up getting hit at 22 cents on the dollar as compared to 12 cents on the dollar, 
that's a big uh, disadvantage in terms of how much tax you pay. So what we would probably do with that person inheriting that IRA is help them calculate how much per year can you take because it's going to be uh, that is going to be treated as income and added to your other sources of income. How much can we take and still soak up the tax bracket you're already in? And if it's a 12 percent bracket, it, like you said, it may take three years, five years. For sure, we got to get it all out of there in 10. But we would we would structure it in such a way that hopefully you never pay more than 12 cents on the dollar as compared to 22 cents on the dollar. I hope the, that added some clarity and makes some sense. Denny got other. And questions? one other thing, one other oh. thing, your Medicare premiums. You right. know, so we take that into consideration when we're looking at bigger withdrawals. You know, because you're going to pay a lot more in one particular year if you raise your income like that with those premiums. What Ted's talking about, folks, and, and a lot of you know this, your Medicare Part B premium is based on your income two years prior to the year that you're paying your Part B. So it's one of those ripple effects that we talk about that goes beyond just the taxes. And, and so we also look at that very carefully and make sure that you don't end up getting an increase in the cost of your Medicare uh, Part B. Danny? Bruce and Peg, this tester says, uh, my bank is offering a jumbo CD that renews monthly with interest adjustments. It sounds like a good deal since you're only locked to 30 days at a time and your money is a bit more liquid. Is this too good to be true? Do you know any pros and cons? Wow, I, I kind of like the way that sounds, Peg. Yeah, I have not heard of a a 30-day adjustment jumbo CD. I think how I'd like to answer this question is, where are interest rates going? Because um, I get this question a lot from clients. And as all of us know, the Fed has increased interest rates dramatically in 2022. Well, that's helped us in our money market rate of return, our bank rate of return, um, you know, our ability to go buy CDs, our ability to go buy treasury bills and bonds at, at um, really attractive rates. So my answer would be more so, well, where do you think interest rates on short-term money are going to be a year from now or two, two years from now? Um, the consensus out there is they're going to be lower. So does it make sense to just take something that adjusts every 30 days? Because who's going to win on that? That might be the bank, where if they have a longer term CD, you might consider looking at that as well. Because um, once again, if, if things go the way that we anticipate, interest rates will eventually go back down to some kind of normal, not zero, but somewhere between zero and what we are getting today. Bruce? Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point, and I agree with the concept. Um, but I've always also been the type of person, Peg, when people ask me about you know CDs, I've never been a fan because I don't like tying up the money for six months or 12 months or 18 months or whatever the term of the CD is. The the theory is if you make a, a slightly uh, longer time commitment, you'll earn a slightly higher interest rate. Um, so on the surface, when they said they can, you know, they can, they have liquidity every 30 days, I like 
that idea, but I don't disagree with what you said either. So I guess we need to know more. There's it, When they say jumbo, there's probably some sort of minimum deposit to get that kind of liquidity and flexibility. Um, I don't know what the interest rate is that they're paying. So there's things that we don't know about it. So I could kind of argue that either way, but normally I like more flexibility on my money than less. Denny, we have time for one more? I think maybe one more. Here's a simple one. Uh, how do you calculate your required minimum distribution? Great question. Peg, RMD, how much is it? Yeah, well, we use a table, <laughs> uh, and so does the IRS. And the, what they use uh, to calculate is your age and then your balance of your IRA accounts uh, as of the December 31st, the year prior. So um, they actually just recently, I think it was a year ago or so, they changed the table. It's called the mortality table, you know, based on how long the, the IRS anticipates you're going to live, they give you a factor or a percentage. And so um, recently they said, hey, people are living longer. So they reduce the amount that you have to take. That's pretty minimal, but they reduced it. But as you continue to get older or the value of your accounts go up or down, that's how they calculate how much you have to take out each year. Bruce? But the percentage, uh, I think at 73, it's maybe, what, a touch over 4%. And then the percentage goes up a little bit every year as you get older. But it doesn't mean your RMD is bigger next year because in a year like 2022, maybe your account value shrunk. Maybe your RMD for 23 is smaller than 22, even though you're older and the percentage is higher. But it's a it's a percentage, and I think at, at 73, it starts at around 4%. Denny, I know yeah, the clock on the wall is – oh, go ahead, Peg. I was going to say it's 3.8% with the new revised, and it's called the Uniform okay. Lifetime Table, if anybody wants to Google that. Perfect. Denny, I know we're out of time. Yes, we are, and we'll do this again next week. We uh, enjoy uh, your questions, and you can uh, bring them to us a couple of different ways. Uh, 24-7, call 888-6ADVICE. Again, 888-6ADVICE. Of course, you can always email your questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But uh, do give us a call. Leave your question, 1-888-6ADVICE, or online, your money at wealthenhancement.com. We will see you back here next week with more of your money.